1: Monday to Friday, 7am to late
2: 30am.
3: Good morning and welcome to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. It is Tuesday the 8th of November and it is 7am and um, you're joined in the studio by me, Carnegie, Fung, Jasmine and Ivka. How are you guys? Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, welcome back. Thank you. Home. I had a week away in Queensland, sunny Queensland. How was that? Um, it's like just so spectacular, but you know, culturally very different from mm. Melbourne. Mm. How interesting! <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs>
0: well, thank you for bringing back the warm weather with you. No, really no loving the sun <laughs> and the
3: warmth. I'm finding it so hard to get used to. Like I was just saying, I just wake up. In a panic and put on like several jumpers, Mm. and then I'm incredibly hot. Yeah, you need at least like a couple of days or a week to be like, what am I
0: wearing? (laughs) And like, I've still got that thing of like, is it going to be cold later today? Like, is it suddenly going to drop to ten degrees? And it could happen. It could. It could (laughs) actually happen. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I also did a bit of traveling, not that far. Yeah. I went to Bendigo. Oh. To see (laughs) Gowanna. Oh, band, It was really it? good. Yeah, it was really good because it was the 40th anniversary of their Spirit of Place album and it was really great and um, they're like probably two of the youngest people in the audience <laughs> but but it was so good and when they played um, uh, Sacred Rock, um, they had the original person who played Didgeridoo on the original track come on stage and it was just like everyone was like rocking out it was really it was really good it was really fun yeah I love that. um I do have to say though like a lot of the messages like things that they were talking about protesting and campaigning for 40 years ago <laughs> it's really sad to be like oh we totally haven't really come same. that far like talking about the environment and things like that it's like oh 40 years on <laughs> still fighting mm. but it was um pretty inspiring
3: yeah. Yeah. Equal parts depressing and inspiring. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Did you do anything fun, Jasmine? Uh, no.
2: No, uh, studied. <laughs> yeah. That's lots fun. of lots of study, <laughs> so nearly <fun>. done.
3: <laughs> nearly over. Yeah. Maybe, yeah,
0: we'll um have a celebratory show mm. next week.
3: <laughs> all about me. The yeah, Jasmine. Show. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Jasmine show. <laughs> yeah. Um I look forward to that. Um all right, let's talk about what's coming up on the show this morning
0: we are going to start by playing an excerpt from a project called the singular life which was recorded here in the 3cr studios as part of the uh, 2022 seniors victorian seniors festival celebrated uh, 40 years this year so we're hearing from huang ni tell her story after that, we'll be speaking with Charlie from Slut Walk, Na, Melbourne. Melbourne. Um, Charlie's in the studios today, which is really exciting. So we'll be talking about the history of the Slut Walk movement, uh, as well as the focus of this year's event. After that, we'll be chatting to Lana Nguyen, who is coming on the show to talk about House of Mother Tongue, House of Other Tongue, um, which is a series of events taking place at this year's Neighbourhood Contemporary Art Festival. And specifically, she'll be on the show to talk about um, a project event called Sab Sabwit, which in Vietnamese translates to um, singing bus. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, at 8 o'clock, we'll be speaking to Matilda from Cafe Collective at the Catalyst Social Centre, who joins us this morning um, to talk about the Catalyst Festival, which is happening this weekend uh, in Coburg. It's going to be a really great dynamic festival um, full of connection and resistance.
3: And then to finish off the show, we'll be speaking to a performer called Opal from... One of my favourite things in the world is snuff puppets um, who are like an anarchist giant puppet collective. Um, They have a new show. So Opal will be on to talk to us about that. Um, So very excited for today's show and we will be right back after these messages.
4: From November 11th to 13th.
1: At Catalyst Social Centre, Naam's newest radical community space, comes Catalyst Festival, a weekend of connection and resistance. There'll be workshops and talks on decolonisation, alternatives to police and queer and transparency, Performances from Sky Belly, Double Doll String Band and Race Rage, plus films, food and more. Full program and more info at tinyurl.com forward slash program. Catalyst Festival this weekend at Catalyst Social Centre, 146 Sydney Road, Coburg. Catalyst Social Centre is a 3CR supporter.
3: Welcome back to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. Uh, For news headlines this morning, just a quick update on COVID numbers in Victoria this week. Um, There were... 10,226 COVID cases reported in Victoria this week, which is an increase of 20.1%. And there's currently 256 patients in hospital in Victoria. This is just um, to remind everyone that if it's possible to keep practicing safety measures wherever you can, including wearing a mask indoors and isolating if you do have symptoms, this is especially important for the more vulnerable members of our community. of course, all up to date. COVID numbers can be found at coronavirus. Um, next headline is from New South Wales, where um, for the first time ever, Indigenous kids who speak language at home will get the chance to further that knowledge at school. Students from kindergarten to year ten will not only study language but also deepen their knowledge of local culture. The syllabus will be offered in two streams, one for first-time learners and tailored classes for Indigenous kids already speaking their language at home, which is the first time such an approach has been adopted. Um, There have been plenty of reports over the years talking about the benefits for First Nations kids, in particular learning language. Um, And now the government revamp of the state's Aboriginal Aboriginal languages syllabus has placed an unprecedented emphasis on the subject, which is great. From Victoria, the Supreme Court has made a decision um, regarding a case that's been in court. Uh, Environmental groups, King Lake Friends of the Forest and Environmental East Gippsland have taken forests to court over the logging of threatened species habitat, alleging that threatened um, great gliders and yellow-bellied gliders are not being properly surveyed or protected from the effects of logging. And last week, Justice Richards, who presided over the case, proposed that Vic Forests must survey the whole of every forest that they intend to log and exclude logging from the immediate home range of gliders, which is a great outcome. Um, While the permanent injunction details are yet to be finalised, this decision supports the group's claims that Vic Forest logging risks these threatened species. And in similar news last week, Walburton Environment won its case against big forests as well, which determined that big forests must survey for and protect threatened plant species. A recent study has been released um, by the Committee for Economic Development of Australia, or CEDA, which has found that the number of women incarcerated in Australia is growing faster than men. We report on this a fair bit on our show, um, and this is just another report that substantiates what's going on. this is despite crime in general decreasing across Australia. The report states that one reason that police were consistently one reason for this is that police were consistently misidentifying women victims of family violence as primary aggressors when attending domestic violence call outs. It's also particularly difficult for incarcerated women to get bail in Victoria due to the strengthened bail laws which were put in place for much more high risk criminals and don't shouldn't affect women disproportionately.
0: Um, next week uh, from the 13th to the 19th of November it's International Transgender Awareness Week and so I just wanted to let everyone know that on Sunday the 13th of November uh, starting at 11:30 a.m there's going to be a Trans Pride March here in uh, Melbourne. Uh, it will take place outside the State Library in the CBD and um, I know that it's going to be broadcast live here on 3CR as well so please get down if you're available. And the week after um, there's also going to be a Trans Day of Remembrance vigil um, so keep an eye out for more details.
2: And as reported last week in response to the murdered Cassius, um, a young Aboriginal boy, dozens of vigils and rallies in his memory were held around the country last Wednesday with an estimated 3,000 people turning out to show their support in, at the Sydney Town Hall and thousands gathering at the Aboriginal Advancement League locally here in um Um, A fight to hold Parks Australia to account over a walking track built through sacred sites in Kakadu National Park could be heading to the High Court after a lower court found Northern Territory law did not apply to the federal organisation. The Aboriginal Area Protection Authority has sought leave to appeal against the decision by the NT Supreme Court in September, which found the Director of Parks Australia was exempt from prosecution under the NT Aboriginal Sacred Site Act. The dispute began in 2020 with Allegations Parks Australia had built a walking track through Sacred Men's site within the UNESCO World Heritage-listed area without permission from the Gunlun people.
3: That's our news headlines for this morning. We'll be back with the track right after this.
5: Tuesday Breakfast
2: would like to thank our friends at Living Coco for their support of the programme. Living Coco puts community first by respecting food sovereignty. Based in Braybrook, they create bean-to-bar chocolates, cacao tea, intentional drinking cacao, and cacao mass in bulk. A zero-waste manufacturing space, Living Coco ethically source cacao from over 130 domestic village farms in Samoa. They are at livingcoco.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Next up, we're going to play you a track titled Selfish Soul by Sudan Archives.
5: If I got- Me Mac was his name and he told me that he wanna go and ride. I was worried about the clip ends in my hair coming out, couldn't even catch a vibe. Hope he still loves me if he knows that this weave is getting old, the extension that I had to offer. He said, baby, don't you bother, but when it's gone, just a surprise.
0: Was the song Selfish Souls uh, by the Sudan Archives? We are now going to play for you an excerpt from. This Singular Life, which is a project curated by Leila Karidi OAM. It comprises first-person narratives by four senior Victorians whose origins and heritage speak of a different time in a different place but who now call Australia home. This project was part of this year's Victoria Seniors Festival, which celebrated its 40th anniversary in October this year. In this particular excerpt, Huang Ni nee tells her story to Belinda Lowe and Leila Karidi. My name is Belinda Lowe,
1: and I'm in the studio with Lela Karidi and we are both reading the story of Huang Ni nee as she told it to me in 2022.
6: I was born in the late 1930s in the small port side town of Malacca in Malaysia. I'm the second of eight children, and while I was born and raised in Malaysia, a multi-ethnic country, I never considered myself to be Malaysian, but... Because of my Chinese heritage, I always proudly identified myself as part of the Chinese diaspora. At the age of 18, when I finished high school, I knew that simply for being female, I would not have the opportunity to attend university, where, if given the chance, I would have loved to have studied medicine. University education was not free in Malaysia at that time. And my mother could not justify sending her daughters to university, as educating females wasn't considered a priority in our Chinese culture in the era. However, all four of my younger brothers obtained university degrees. I was always very interested in traveling and held a particular interest to visit the Western countries that I had read about in books. So when my school friend informed me that she was planning to head to England to study nursing, I jumped at the chance to join her. Convinced that nursing was a suitable profession for one of her daughters, my mother agreed to pay for the ticket for me to travel to England by ship. When
1: asked if she enjoyed this time of her life, Huang Ni's face lit up
6: and she declared that it was so much fun. Huang Ni continues. The journey from Malaysia to England took one month and when the ship docked in various ports I took the opportunity to discover other cities in Malaysia and in other countries like India. Despite the ship being full of passengers and the trip taking a considerable amount of time, my friend and I rarely mingle with other passengers as it was the first time we had ever met Western or Caucasian people. However, we enjoyed observing the parties and the dancing a lot. Upon arriving in London in the 50s, my friend and I enrolled in a nursing school where over three years we obtained our general nursing qualifications. Huang Ni speaks very fondly
1: of her time in England, a country she has returned to visit many times. However, while studying in London, she also had a very serious big love relationship breakup. And that breakup still causes her to feel bittersweet about her time as a young woman in London. Her eyes shine when she recalls a memory of her big love breakup, adding that, He was a very talented artist. And proceeds to tell me that he wanted to marry her when she was just 21, but she felt the need to explore more of the world before becoming a wife, and their relationship ended without ever contacting each other again. When Huang Ni nee returned to Malaysia, her intention was to practice nursing in her home country. But not being able to elect in which part of Malaysia she could work, she decided to work in Singapore instead. Huang Ni nee tells me.
6: After a period of working in Singapore, a nursing friend informed me of her plans to visit Australia and to undertake further studies while working at the same time. I thought that this would be a great opportunity to enhance my professional career while extending my travelling experiences, and in the early 1960s, that friend and I travelled to Australia where we settled in the nurses' quarters in Carlton. Then one night, the friend told me about a party at the home of some international students and suggested that we attend, to which I agreed. There we met three young men from Singapore and Hong Kong who were studying science degrees at the University of Melbourne. Over time, I started dating one of the young men. Sam was his name, who was very persistent in pursuing me. Sam's mode of romance mainly involved sourcing restaurants that served genuine Chinese food and taking me out to dinner to different locations scattered across the city. Sam and I married in 1967 and rented our first home in Thornbury. In 1970, our first child, a daughter, was born. Li
1: laughs as she remembers the attention her daughter got from strangers in the street whenever she took her out for a walk. She tells me that although her daughter was very, very cute at the time, it was also very likely that Westerners had never before seen a Chinese baby with spiky black hair that could not be flattened. Huang Ni recalls that although Sam had many good qualities, he was terrible with money. Luckily for him, she was an excellent saver. Within only a few years and despite Sam's spending habits, the couple were able to save enough money for their first home in the northern suburb of Thomastown. Huang Ni tells me,
6: "I loved our first home, but I wasn't happy when just after having given birth to our second daughter, my mother-in-law, who lived with us, cooked a greasy chicken in the oven and expect me to clean up the mess. But then I started making friends with our neighbours, who also had young children, and we very much enjoyed socialising with our children, culminating in watching The Bold and the Beautiful together. To this day, I still enjoy The Bold and the Beautiful. The family then moved to Watonia and Greensboro in Melbourne North East, where our third and last daughter was born. While I continued nursing Nate's shift part-time, I felt lucky that, although Sam was a Chinese man of his generation, he was good at looking after the children. In 1980, Sam and I opened a Chinese restaurant in Bandura, which for about eight years was extremely busy and took a lot of the family time. The children were still young and I felt torn between caring for the children and being available to work in the restaurant. Sometimes Sam would insist that I work alongside him, particularly on Friday and Saturday nights. This meant that our eldest daughter had to look after her two sisters at home. I still feel very guilty about having to leave the children at home and argued with Sam about this. Then when the children were still all under 12 years of age, they also worked in the family restaurant. Helping to clean, washing dishes, rolling spring rolls, and serving at the counter. But around 1987 1988, as competition for local Chinese restaurants grew, the family's restaurant became less busy. At the same time, Sam was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 46. It was nocephalangeal cancer, a very rare form of cancer at the time. I just had to keep going to look after the family and take care of my husband and we had to sell the restaurant at this time. After battling cancer for almost two years, Sam passed away in January 1991 at the age of 48. After 22 years of marriage, I was with him when he breathed his last breath. Huang Ni reflects, Life as a young widow and single mum of teenage daughters was not something that I had thought I would be doing all those years ago when I first set sail from England and then moved to Australia.
1: And in a spirit of defiance, she adds,
6: i just got on with it. I attempt to return to nursing, but although I was still very proud to be a nurse, having had to care for my husband who was in and out of hospital for two years, had taken its toll on me, and I no longer felt the same happiness and joy I had previously felt. Rather, returning to hospital made me feel sad.
1: Huang Ni explains that during her marriage, she devoted all her time to caring for the family – and other than visiting relatives in Southeast Asia, she couldn't travel anywhere else. But once her daughters got older and became independent, she reinvigorated her interest in travel and enjoyed going on numerous European tours by herself or with girlfriends. Two of her daughters lived in the UK for about a decade, and Huang Ni enjoyed travelling to see them and to also visit historical sites around Ireland and England. Huang Ni has been a widow now for longer than she was married. When asked if she would ever contemplate another intimate relationship, Huang Ni resoundingly tells me, Absolutely not. Her eyes grow misty as she recalls her first big love in England. And then collecting herself, she says,
6: And I think about my husband too.
1: Then she goes on to explain that whilst many people have tried to persuade her to repartner, she feels that she has had a full life with her daughters without a husband for many years now. Whilst Huang Ni reports feeling the physical niggles of age, she continues to live independently, even after undergoing a triple bypass in 2021. She has always encouraged her daughters to travel and hopes to continue doing so herself for as long as she is able to. Her medical professionals have informed her family that health-wise, she is one of the strongest women of her age they've ever met. When asked how she would identify herself now after becoming an Australian citizen in the late 1960s,
6: Huang Ni nee proudly declares, I'm Australian first, a Chinese-Malaysian-born Australian. That was
0: Huang Ni's story as being told to Belinda Lowe and Leila Karidi. If you would like to know more about the Victoria Seniors Festival and the different projects that were part of this year's event you can go to their website which is www.seniorsonline.vic.gov.au
2: next up we're going to play you a track by Ajat Kwai. Uh, this is Let Me Grow My Wings <music>
5: Bora e
0: That was Ajack Choir with her song, Let Me Grow My Wings. We're really excited to have Charlie in the studio this morning. Charlie's from uh, the Organising Committee of Slutwalk Nam Melbourne and is here to talk to us uh, today about the history of the Slutwalk movement in Nam, the focus of this year's event, and what we can expect from the first in-person gathering uh, since 2019 welcome to 3CR Charlie.
7: Hey thank you for having me I'm super excited to be here and in person as well.
0: Yeah it's so it's so awesome to be able to have guests in the studio so can you tell us a bit about the history of the Slut Walk movement um, in Melbourne in particular and maybe internationally if you're able to.
7: Yeah, so um, Slut Walk originated in um, 2011 um, in actually Canada when a police officer told women that um, if they didn't want to be raped they shouldn't dress like sluts. Um, That sparked the original march in Canada and then a couple of months later the first march in um, Nam, Melbourne and we've actually been having a march every year since. Um, Of course, during COVID, we unfortunately had to go virtually and 3CR helped us out with that one. But um, we're back this year and that's super exciting. We just want to take to the streets, obviously being COVID safe and everything, but being back on the streets is super exciting and just stopping traffic, you know?
0: Yeah, amazing. Can you tell us uh, about the issues that is significant for the movement at the moment?
7: Yeah, so in the past year, we've seen a lot of examples of how, like, rape culture, victim-blaming, slut-shaming are still so, so prevalent in our society. We've seen it in, like, huge overseas stories like the um, Depp herd trial, which, like, the coverage of that and just how people responded to HERD and all of that stuff was absolutely horrendous and definitely caught, falls under categories of victim-blaming and slut-shaming. And just, like... In Melbourne, in Australia. So in Australia, we are particularly uh, interested in, like, the issues like the Queensland Police Inquiry um, where they were looking into the Queenla- Queensland Police's response to domestic violence and basically uncovered kind of predictably a absolutely disgusting culture of sexism and particularly, like, violence against women and sexual assault against women. And you have, like absolutely horrific quotes coming out of that inquiry and even like instances where female police officers were punished more for reporting their own sexual assault than the perpetrators so we're really like we want to believe the victim we want to support survivors all of that stuff which is really incompatible with a lot of policing and policing culture Um, and in Nam specifically we have like recently seen um the decriminalization of um sex work happening but there are still definitely like really pressing issues in that field particularly um laws relating to porn and also just like when those laws are going to be coming into effect and those changes and how far away that is and of course still just stigma job loss and things that can still be faced for being a sex worker in
0: Nam. Yeah awesome that's such a um Important list of issues that affect a lot of people at the moment, and just quickly on the police, it really does show that you know a lot of people don't feel safe reporting um, cases of rape or sexual assault to the police for this very reason, and we see that um, so clearly, especially with Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander women, um, but just women in general, where you know the the expectation is that you go to the police, but how can you trust them when they also perpetrate um, violence? It's super interesting.
7: Actually, the reason that the inquiry was held was because they were looking to introduce uh, coercive control laws. And a lot of people in the community, especially Indigenous people, spoke up and said, we're giving more control and power to the police. And we need to look into the culture that would be enforcing and having the power to like put people in prison and ruin lives we need to investigate that and of course as well as all the sexism they found huge amounts of racism Mm. so it's all really interlinked and we need to be intersectional in all of our analysis on
0: these issues. Definitely pivoting slightly now I did want to ask you what it was like to organize during covid Um, so I, this is actually my
7: first year on the organizing committee, so I have missed uh, a lot of the worst of COVID, um, but coming into it, we were definitely concerned about, like, especially, like, safety as well as, like, cost of living issues, so there was talk of holding, like, fundraisers and stuff, and we were just really cognizant of, like, how much people had to give at the moment, and luckily we had funds left over from previous years where we couldn't be in person, so this year we're just kind of you know doing our best to be safe and really also just get the word back out there we have seen like a drop in like just participation people being involved obviously we're getting back up there we're super happy with the response that we've gotten but yeah just kind of fighting to get people back on the streets and like involved again
0: yeah definitely so Speaking of the first in-person event that takes place um, very soon, actually, what can people expect?
7: Yeah, so that's happening on the 19th of November outside the State Library. It starts at 1pm. What you can expect, well, what you can expect first off is we're definitely going to stop traffic. um, Slut walk, it's super important to us that there is no dress code. So that means coming dressed as eccentrically or as conservatively as you like and um we can start the event off with some speeches so we'll have half an hour of speeches from a variety of people Um, we've particularly focused on getting people from the sex worker community the trans community and we're super excited to have someone from um the iranian community speaking about the um, protests happening there at the moment and just the ongoing feminism in that area Um, And then we will march on and we will march to Parliament House, which we normally go to um, Federation Square, but we thought, especially with all of the uh, sexual assault allegations coming out of federal parliament this past year, it would be super good to go down to parliament and just really make a stand about that. So yeah, we'll be marching down um, that route and just stopping trams, (laughs) stopping cars, um, yelling, chanting all of that good stuff
0: yeah awesome so having a party while also sending out really important messages yeah exactly
7: um and we're just super excited with all of the like groups that we have attending um not necessarily like everyone's going to be representing their group but just we've got so many people from so many different organizations coming along and marching with us so that is super exciting
0: yeah like you said you know we need to take a intersectional approach to this and it seems like different communities have different concerns and the ways in which sexism or misogyny or or systems of power affect them so it's great to I guess unite under one broader cause.
7: And that's something that's like super important to us that we acknowledge that these issues um, affect people differently and make sure that everyone's voices are super heard and we don't try and Like, we recognise that hierarchy is the reason that these problems exist and it's not just the one hierarchy of sexism. Every hierarchy is interlinked and that we are ultimately aiming to do away with slut-shaming, do away with rape culture, but overall do away with hierarchy and that's why, like, at the march, we will not be tolerating any form of hierarchy or discrimination or bigotry. No trans-exclusionary stuff, no sex worker-exclusionary stuff, no racism, We are, and definitely no ableism either. We're making sure that our march is accessible. We've got sign language interpreters on all of the speakers, just making sure that as many people can be out there as possible.
0: Yeah, great. So I just wanted to end with... Perhaps some, it might be a broad question, and and um, but I'm really interested to hear your take, Charlie. What's the role of the Slut Walk movement in advocating for people's rights, um, women's rights, queer people fighting against sexual harassment, misogyny, sexism, all of that?
7: So I think a large role, like there there are many different roles. I think one large part is just getting people out there, getting on the street, getting it visible. Because so easily this stuff can be brushed under the rug or not spoken about. And just making it really in your face and impossible to ignore is a major part of what we're doing. Um, Another major part is just celebrating survivors and that you've made it through and supporting victims and just people who just normally do not get that platform and do not have that place to be recognised. We want to do that important work. And also just kind of giving people a focal point, right, for a lot of different issues that can all manifest as rape culture and slut shaming and getting those people together. And also pride. I know a lot of people come in with slut pride, which, like, we love, we love to see it. And even if you're not a slut, you know, even if that's not something you identify with, like, we need to acknowledge that Slut can be a term that is used against people to perpetuate systems of power. And even if you might not consider yourself a slut, slut can still be used against you. So kind of just reclaiming that and being like, no, that does not have power over us. We are going to step outside that and move beyond that. And yeah, just have a really good time as well, you know, show up in some excellent fits, have some good posters. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. <clears throat> well, I think that's a really great note to end on. Um, thank you so much, Charlie, for joining us in the studio today to tell us more about Slut Walk. I know we've got an announcement that we can play to advertise the event, um, but just a reminder if people are interested, it's taking place on Saturday, 19th of November at 1pm um, outside the State Library. Thank you so much for joining us, thank Charlie. Thank you for having me. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages.
8: Nam, Melbourne Slut Walk is once again taking to the streets in the fight against victim-blaming and slut-shaming. In the past year, we have seen how deeply still rape culture is ingrained in our highest institutions, from the media to federal government. These cannot be tolerated. To take a stand, join the 2022 Slut Walk at 1pm on the 19th of November outside the Victorian State Library. Slutwop is a 3CR supporter.
4: Well,
8: to celebrate International Transgender Awareness Week, 13th to 19th of November, the Trans Pride March Melbourne is on Sunday, 13th of November. Trans Pride March Melbourne highlights trans visibility like never before by uplifting voices in our community and continuously passing the mic. Attend the march, Sunday 13th of November at 11.30am outside Victorian State Library, Swanston Street, CBD. And for those who can't make it along, 3CR will be broadcasting live from the march from 12 to 4pm. Your favourite Sunday Arvo queer programmers will bring you interviews, speeches and all the action live from the march. Tune into 3CR Digital, stream online at 3cr.org.au or dial into 855 AM for Trans Pride March Melbourne, Sunday 13th of November.
6: There are now 189 people on hunger strike. Sixty-two have sewn their lips together, including two women and five
8: children. For Woomera, this isn't an unusual day. We
9: have an old saying in Persia that says, there is no darker colour than black. So, when we were in the camp, we have two options. they deporting us to, back to persecution, to prison, to death, or die in the camp. But I think you guys give us a third option, which is another try. They bent like half cooked
10: spaghetti. We didn't expect it to happen like that to the soundtrack of Amélie, a popular French movie at the time, blowing across the desert from dusty speakers. The fence began to fall, under the weight of people wanting justice, under the weight of people that had had enough.
6: Join us for Woomera Stories on Monday, November 21st and November 28th at 6pm on 3CR. This
0: afternoon, already they've set up camp only
11: 200 metres from the Woomera Detention Centre's main gate.
7: 20 Years on the Inside is an iconic new podcast series that gives voice to the experience of First Nations people in the Victorian prison system.
6: 20 Years on the Inside. I'm Vicki Roach.
11: And I'm Kutcher Edwards.
10: This series reflects on 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcast.
7: 20 years on the inside is essential listening for anyone looking to educate themselves about the realities of life on the inside and the need to end Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander incarceration.
8: Well, a lot of the boys mentioned about being in jail. What you do really isn't who you are. You know it's how you love your family, it's how you care about your cousins, and it's how you care about your people. that's what that's what this is about for me. Catch the podcast via the three CR
7: website or on your favourite podcast app.
0: Welcome back to 3CR Tuesday breakfast maybe you're listening on the radio, 855 5, AM or streaming online at 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. We are so lucky to be joined in the studio today uh, by Lana, who is an independent producer and curator, and is here to talk to us about House of Mother Tongue, House of Other Tongue, specifically Hatsab with Singing Bus, which is a bus ride co-curated by Huang Jun Nguyen and Lana that will ferry audiences across um, the two exhibitions and this event is part of the Neighbourhood Contemporary Art Festival which is happening from November 11th to November 27th. Welcome to 3 Lana. Thanks, nice to be here. Um, so can you tell us about the Neighbourhood Contemporary Art Festival, uh, what it's about, maybe some of the different elements to it? Yeah, um, so
11: it's a festival in Melbourne's west so it's a collaboration between the substation and Footscray Arts and yeah it's sort of a whole range of things for uh, I think it's over 18 days um, don't quote me on that you might have to look up the website but um, there's music there's dance there's these buses there's these exhibitions um, really cool food events at the substation as well um, and yeah I guess it's all sort of focused on the communities of the west.
0: Yeah, awesome. Carnegie, I'm sure you'd love that as someone who lives in the West. Um, So can you tell us more about uh, House of Mother Tongue, House of Other Tongue, um, how this project or series of projects came to be and your involvement in it?
11: Yeah. um, Huang sort of approached me for a coffee a few months ago and had sort of already put things in place with this exhibition or multiple exhibitions or a very large scale multi-pronged exhibition called House of Mother Tongue House of Other Tongue and it stems from work we did together on um, a campaign for the Viet bilingual program at Footscray Primary a a few years ago that was ultimately unsuccessful but has created this sort of wave of other conversation around monolingualism and um, yeah bilingualism other sorts of um linguistic politics across um yeah Australia and so there are two exhibitions one at West Space and one at Footscray Arts and then there's also Symposium and then there's the singing bus so um, I'm working on the bus with Huang and it's sort of a way of getting people between these two exhibitions but also a way of bringing a lot of the topics to life because we'll have a lot of Poets, musicians, artists, educators, um, yeah, talking about specific language politics in place that it happens. So we'll be going past the primary school, we'll be going to the Melbourne Museum, we'll be going um, through different places that are relevant to people's histories and um yeah we've got some really exciting people on board we've got pio for the first weekend who's um, used to run the anarchist press in fitzroy and has been a big part of the gentrification um Anti gentrification movement in Fitzroy, sort of when everyone was moving in, used to put these flyers under people's doors, being, can, You can't swear on radio, can you? No, we prefer not to. <laughs> being like, Get out, trendies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, things like that. So he's going to be performing some poems, and my dad's going to be singing some songs around. Um, uh, the pro-democracy movement that he was part of in Australia but also um, some songs about the war in Vietnam and sort of talking about how language captures these moments in time but also we've been sitting together and translating songs um, which has been a really beautiful process because translation is so imperfect um, so you really have to go to this deeper level of trying to um, understand a context Um And then, yeah, we've got Tony who was a big part of um, the campaign, like set up the petition that sort of went um, really strongly and um, Testo who's a scholar um, who works um, in French a lot of the time but is going to talk about the sort of particular, um, yeah, proverbs and translations in Vietnamese. So that's the first weekend. And then the second weekend we've got like another range of amazing people. Tanya Kanyas is going to be talking about Archiving the Present, which is this sort of project that she's got about um, these sort of changing landscapes of neighbourhoods. She's going to be talking about a neighbourhood, that, uh, a mural that was taken down um, recently during COVID that meant a lot to the community. Wani Toy Shira is going to talk about, um, yeah, sort of language and naming, and Wani was a big part of the sort of translation um, for the Flemington Towers and things like that, so that'll be really cool if he decides to speak about that. (laughs) And then we've got Uncle uh, Larry Walsh and Uncle Bobby Nichols, and Uncle Bobby Nichols is gonna talk at that really significant fig tree in Edinburgh Gardens and talk about language loss and sort of, um, yeah, the sort of movement of people and what that's meant for um, First Nations languages. And then on the third week, um, so it's every Saturday um, for the festival. And on the third week, we're going to have um, Beth sometimes and Rini Kulicha, um, who are going to come into the Melbourne Museum and maybe sing some of the archive, and that'll be really exciting as well. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain. Who is the Oh and Tim who's going to be talking about um, yeah gentrification from sort of Footscray to um, Collingwood and
0: Fitzroy. Wow, that sounds like an incredible lineup, and I really love the idea of moving through spaces and being able to connect stories, histories, maybe particular issues that come up um, whilst being physically in that space, because I think it gives people a really uh, or a better and deeper understanding of of what people might be talking about and give them perhaps a different perspective on some of these places that we pass on our daily, um, you know, if we pass it on a daily basis and we, we kind of forget about it, we don't really notice the significance of a particular space as well and, and the power that holds for certain communities.
11: Yeah, and I think, you know, language is so tied heavily to place and um, you know, Tess is going to speak about some of the proverbs in Vietnamese that are still used today, but they're really tied to the geography of Vietnam. But I think every language emanates from a geography. So to be able to move through space and also talk about gentrification while we're moving is, yeah, I think it's exciting. It's also just exciting to be on a bus together. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: No, like a, like a school excursion almost. Yeah. yeah. we no, made that's... some
11: banners with the side. Yeah. Oh, that's that's <laughs>
0: really cool. Um, I think as well, just as like a form of like anti-colonial resistance as well to to reclaim and and see the beauty and the power of different community languages, um, and and how that plays in fighting back against gentrification, maybe, or, or reminding people about not only about you know the the roots of colonization and and the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people who were here first, but also as well, like, the significance of other communities who who are here and, and who have been fighting gentrification and, you know, the rising of house prices and things like that that have pushed people out of these communities.
11: Yeah, we're also going to do part of the Glyph app, which is a beautiful oral um, First Nations history of Collingwood and Fitzroy, which is so significant to, yeah, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community, so... Also very excited to sort of amplify that project.
0: Yeah, awesome. Well, that sounds like an incredible project and um, we'd love to hear more. But unfortunately, that's all we have time for today, Lana. So thank you so much for joining us in the studio to tell us about The Singing Bus. Um, I understand that you'd like for us to play a song on air now. Can you tell us a bit about this song?
11: Yeah, so this is a song that my dad is going to sing on the bus And we sort of sat and translated it together and it's called Bong Ma which is, um, he sort of translated it in a very loose way. He was like, it's sort of like the cool shade under a tree but also that nostalgic feeling of something that was before. And yeah, the song is all about Vietnam and all these different sort of scenes and scenarios and we sort of spoke at depth about, you know, it's not just kids playing in the full moon, it's like more you know, relevant because, you know, we didn't have lights at this particular time and so we sort of went back in history to understand it together and it's about the war but then also about singing and how that can, yeah, bring
0: back love and life again. Amazing. So here it is. It's Bong Mat by Lè (laughs) Thù.
9: Đâu nữa Đâu nữa
0: is the song Bong Mat by Le Thu, which was um, recommended to us by Lana Nguyen, who was just in the studio with us uh, speaking about the event, a Hatsebwit or Singing Bus, which is an event that is part of the project House of Mother Tongue, House of Other Tongue, and is running during the Neighbourhood Contemporary Art Festival in both um, West Space and Footscray Arts. There are multiple dates for this event, so please check out the website for more details. You can go to www.neighborhoodfest.com.au and uh, we'll make sure to pop the link in our show notes as well. Make sure you listen to Thursday Breakfast this week as Layla will be continuing the conversation about this particular series of events. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast and uh, we'll be back right after this message.
8: Vietnam, Melbourne Slut Walk is once again taking to the streets in the fight against victim-blaming and slut-shaming. In the past year, we have seen how deeply still rape culture is ingrained in our highest institutions from the media to federal government. These cannot be tolerated. To take a stand, join the 2022 Slut Walk at 1pm on the 19th of November outside the Victorian State Library. FlatWalk is a 3CR supporter.
3: Welcome back to 3CR Tuesday Breakfast. Next up, we have um, on the line, Matilda from Cafe Collective. Um, Matilda joins us on the show this morning to talk about the Catalyst Festival, which is a free three-day festival of connection and resistance over the weekend of 11th to the 13th of November. The program includes workshops, talks, film screenings, music, games, food, stalls and more. Welcome to the show, Matilda.
12: Thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
3: Um, thank you for joining us. Can you maybe just uh, start by telling us about Café Collective and the Catalyst Social Centre?
12: Yeah, I might start with the um, Catalyst Social Centre because the Café sits within that. And in lots of ways, we're still building it and figuring it out. But in a nutshell, Catalyst is a new radical community space that's organised by a federation of about 16 grassroots collectives. And some of those collectives are based in and run out of certain spaces that are going to be open to the public. So the cafe collective is one of those, but there's also a garden collective and... Incendium Radical Library is there. I'm not sure if people already know IRL. Um, and there are also some collectives that have private offices and some that do specific functions for the running of the space. And for some collectives, um, they're invested in being part of a broader federation of collectives who are interested in building something different. So I guess in terms of what Catalyst Social Centre offers more broadly, there's a variety of different radical spaces for people to engage with. And... Engage with, And moving forward, you know, we're still in the building and the setting-up stage, but people and groups and communities will also be able to book out event spaces and smaller meeting rooms or workshop rooms, um, as long as who they are and what they're doing is aligning with the values of the Federation. Um, And maybe it's helpful also just to, I guess, highlight some of those things to explain who we are. So some of the shared values we have been working on are around collective care and collective liberation and learning and anti-capitalist, Challenging cultures of exploitation and domination, but also joy and connection. Um, So, that's, I guess, in a nutshell, what Catalyst Social Centre is as a broad whole um, space. And then the Cafe Collective is one collective that's a part of that who run and look after the cafe. And at its very, the cafe in its um, vision at the moment is a very basic pay as you feel cafe setup. And our intention is more about a place for people to be and to connect with each other. And we're hoping to have it open on a regular basis, but also as a space that people can use to hold different events. Um, so already now the cafe, um, every Wednesday Food Not Bombed serves a dinner in the cafe and every second Thursday um, Sedition Cinema screens a film um, and provide dinner.
3: That's amazing. Yeah. Um... And, you know, we can always do with more radical community spaces um, in the world at the moment. And so great to hear the objectives. They line very well with um, 3CR's objectives. So, um, yeah. So the Catalyst Festival takes place this weekend. Um, can you talk to us about the overall theme or objective of the event?
12: Oh, yeah. So... The overall key theme, really, and the intention is to bring people together, to share skills um, around different elements or sites of resistance and to connect and to showcase some of the collectives that are a part of the social centre. You know, I listed some of them, but there are 16. Um, So lots of those collectives are going to be involved over the weekend in different ways. And also to start opening the space up to the broader public um, and the community around where we are, as well as the broader community across Nam. And also in a really simple and not so simple way to highlight what's possible, that we can organise together across many different collectives and passions and sites of resistance, and that we can find common values and common ground, and that we can build different possibilities of how we might like to relate to each other. And also on a more practical level, we're at a point where to have longevity of the project, we need support from the broader community. So at the moment and for the next three months, the whole space has been financially supported by a very small number of people just to get it off the ground. And we need to broaden that and get financial security so we can commit to it being a more ongoing project. Um, So hopefully people come and and see the space and see what's possible and want to support it moving forward and get um, more involved.
3: Absolutely. Um, there are a few events in particular that look interesting and pertinent and respond to um, lack of care and funds and resources provided by the government. Um, some of them are decentering police response, um, queer and trans parenting, and is Latin America moving to the left? Um, can you talk us through these sessions in a bit more detail? Like who's who's running the sessions and what can people expect? Yeah. So I might,
12: there's also just one that's not on there that I might start with, which is the um, one talk session that's happening on the Friday night um, by Kieran Stewart-Aston. And they are the um, national president of the Black People's Union, um, which is a union for First Nations people by First Nations people. And he's going to be discussing the limitations of recognition and a voice under a colonial system. Um, And... So that's going to be amazing on the Friday night, and then we're going to have a film after that um, by the uh, Northeast Syria Solidarity Collective, who are also part of the Federation. And then, as you said, we have the workshop on decentering police responses, which is run by two incredible community organisers, Anlise Arsat and Lauren Caulfield. And I'm sure maybe people who listen to 3CR have maybe heard them speak before. I know Anlise has a... um, radio show, radio ANA. And that's going to be a more interactive Skillshare. So the workshop's going to draw on lineages of grassroots, anti-violence organising and survivor-led support work and explore frameworks for community-based responses to violence and harm. And then the other thing you mentioned was the queer and trans parenting. Mm -hmm. So that is going to be a panel discussion with... um, I think there's five people um, on the panel and I guess this panel more broadly speaks to the desire for us to have more explicitly embedded um, in radical spaces the stories and experiences of parenting and particularly in this situation the stories and experiences of queer and trans parenting and all the incredible insight and learning that we um, can get from engaging with those conversations and we're going to have a particular focus as well on talking about um, gender and the gendered scripts that still play into parenting and that we resist and also touch a little bit about how we approach um, gender when it comes to parenting new fresh little humans and you know I guess in the way that you frame this question I think it's also really powerful for us to be providing spaces particularly for young queer and trans folk to be able to be exposed to the possibilities of parenthood and family, and to see loving, thriving, supported, and connected to queer and trans families. Yeah, and absolutely, it's. I feel like it's pretty easy to get really overwhelmed and feel hopeless about the state of things, um, and how much the government, you know, and it never really was intended to um, provides the support and care that we really need. And I, reflecting on this question, I feel like for me and At the core of so much of what Catalyst is, is um, remembering that it's humans who built these systems of domination and exploitation that we're all kind of being crushed by and that we can build something different. Um, And so to me, the, the festival is also really about resisting this despair and building some kind of hope in the face of it.
3: That sounds incredible and definitely something we need at the moment. Um, And, you know, I think the first step for a lot of these communities and, you know, especially thinking about uh, queer and trans parenting is having the space. Um, That's a great first step. I feel like a lot of people don't feel like they have that. And to meet other people and to be in spaces where, you know, you can fight these systems and hierarchies and things, as you said, um, we've built that we can dismantle um, is a really good first step. Yeah. there's also some art and music and physical activities on offer. Can you touch on why um, it's important to have art and creativity in spaces of resistance?
12: Yeah. So, we intentionally, we really wanted to have a range of things on offer. So, from like theoretical workshops to more community building skills to practical skills to, you know, movement stuff and I guess being in our bodies because that's where we live. Um, And also things that really are about joy and celebration. And the reason for this being that there is no real resistance without joy and without celebration. And that there are endless ways that we need um, to be able to and things that we need to be able to do to dismantle and resist the violent systems that are constantly trying to crush and separate us. And that we need to be able to plant seeds in all the cracks of empire wherever we can find them. And we also need to be able to water those seeds. And to me and to the um, organising of this festival, um, to be able to do that, we also have to connect in ways that are joyous and, I guess, build trust and laughter and all the very, very simple, basic human things that make us feel alive. And I guess, so. to resist the systems of power, um, we have to do that in a million different ways. And, of course, art and creativity and music and movement are all a part of that and can't be separated from all of the more, like, seemingly serious theoretical conversations.
3: Yes, absolutely. And I I think that is one of the kind of tools used to um, create separation and create the completely random hierarchies and systems that we live in. Um. So that sounds absolutely incredible, Matilda. Um, just as a final question, where will the event be held? Um, can you tell us about time, if any, there's any costs involved and where people can find out more information?
12: Yes. So um, Catalyst Social Centre is at 144 to 146 Sydney Road in Coburg. So that's on the corner of the Grove and Sydney Road, just a little bit north of Moreland. And stuff will be kicking off on Friday... Um, this Friday at 5pm with a burn it down ceremony where people are asked to bring I guess art, colonial artefacts which could also be things that are very much represent the colony today um, I guess symbolically to, to burn them to um, kick off I guess how we how we start talking about dismantling this colonial system and, and all that it represents and so then we'll be going we'll have a film on Friday night and then we'll kick off again on Saturday at and go to about 11. And then on Sunday, we'll be kicking off at 11 and go to about 10.30. The whole event is totally free. There will also be um, lunch and dinner provided on each of the days by Food Not Bombs. And if people want more information, they can check us out on Instagram at Cafe at Catalyst or on Facebook, the Cafe at Catalyst. Uh, they could also check out our website at www. Uh, catalystcentre.net
3: Amazing uh, Thank you so much for joining us this morning Matilda and talking to us about um, the Catalyst Festival We'll link to all of that in our show notes for our um, listeners later today as well but it's been lovely speaking to you Beautiful Thank you so much for giving us the time So that was Matilda from Cafe Collective at the Catalyst Social Centre which is running from the 11th to the 13th of November in Coburg. Um for more information, you can check out the event on Facebook, which we will provide in our show notes later today. Next up, we have a song called Eat the Rich by Race Rage. Taste gross! Tastes like check it,
4: tastes like check it, tastes like check it, tastes like check taste it. Like eat the rich. eat the ranch. Be out for that shit. Eat the rich. Eat the rich. Eat the rich. The then to be out for that shit. Eat the rich. I'm about to chow down shop clown who expects us to bow down he's a pasty dish, gotta save these towns, his delicacy from the top and the town Marinated, a surprise, a melanated diner's, they expected the suppression for other diviners, but now that the table's is it's us up with the best time all rich, you rich, rich, bitch divine, yeah overthrow the system chuck them on the menu dealing with class traders, there's not much more you can do Cap is coming toxic. Rise up, we pros and chows. But revenge is best of gold. Head with a nice cap Eat the wrench. Eat the rich. Eat the wrench. Then divvy be our as shit. Eat the wrench. Eat the wrench. Then to be up. What well, you can do Cap is coming toxic Rise up, we pros and chars But revenge is best of cold Paid yeah, with a nice cap, stop Eat the ranch Eat the, rich. Eat the rich. Then to I pull that shit Eat the rich. Then divvy up all that shit. Corporate bigwigs suck the public tea dry. Eat the rich. with fake front page tabloid crime. Eat the rich. Pulling strings to bankroll coal mines. Eat the And after feasting on that fancy flesh, we'll divvy up all their shit. Corporate bigwigs suck the public tea dry.
3: was Eat the Rich by Race Ridge, who are performing at the Catalyst Festival um, that we just had an interview about earlier. Uh, So next up on the show, we have a very exciting interview. Um, We have Opal joining us, who is a performer with Snuff Muppets. Um, snuff puppets specialize in non-traditional arts and in creatively rec- reclaiming streets and public spaces with their giant puppets. They are deliberately deliberately anarchic, rebellious, and dangerous, and their work tackles difficult, awkward, and taboo topics that invite audiences to challenge themselves, simultaneously causing discomfort and delight. Um, welcome to the show, Oval.
10: Thank you so much. Um,
3: Thank you. So- yeah, it's super. Ex- I'm super excited to talk to you because I live in Footscray and I've watched the Snuff Puppets um, perform at various events and just randomly in the streets, and I'm a big fan.
10: Yeah, amazing. Nothing <laughs> like seeing some giant puppets roaming around Footscray, hey?
3: Yeah, it's just so great.
10: <laughs> um,
3: could you start by elaborating a little bit on what Snuff Puppets do?
10: Yeah, totally. Um puppets um they're they're like bases in the corner of the bulldog stadium like on the corner of ballarat and on the corner of gordon street and barclay street um and they make giant puppets gigantic spectacles um the biggest literally the biggest puppets in the world um there's a puppet called everybody that is so many different and body parts that each one is controlled by a different puppeteer um and it's like 50 meters long or something like that um and it all falls apart into different bits. Um, but they make um, they make big, scary, exciting, thrilling um, puppets that go out into the streets, like you said, um, and just cause a bit of chaos, which is the funnest bit.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, what makes snuff puppet snuff puppets? That's really difficult to say. What makes yeah. snuff puppets performances radical?
10: Um, just the fact that they're with unconventional audiences almost always. Um, It's like not, this new show that we've got coming up is um, in like a very official space. Um, But for every performance I've done with Snuff Puppets, it's been um, just somewhere like on the street, just somewhere random. Um, And it's been all about just bringing a, the way I always see it is the puppets almost like a circuit breaker to normality. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it's like they're so big and confronting and, um, some people find them really terrifying. Some people like you, that's the funny thing for me as a puppeteer, you see the, like, um, the terror in people's eyes, but you also see the excitement. Um, and that's like a fun thing to learn as a puppeteer. Like when are you seeing terror and when are you seeing excitement and when can you go further and when do you need to pull back? Um, because I remember being little and seeing giant puppets and being very
3: terrified. Um, and now and yeah, you are a giant puppet. Yeah, <laughs>
10: yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I think that that's one of the funnest the funnest things is when um, people are really scared. Um, I'm like, huh? There's probably a future in this for you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: yeah, I love that. How long have you been a performer? Then what's you know what's the experience been like? Because uh, snuff puppets performs all over the world. Is that right?
10: Yeah, totally. Um, they're like almost bigger overseas than they are in Australia, which is crazy. Um, but um, yeah, I got. Um, I I remember getting off the train at Footscray. I moved to Australia in twenty seventeen, um, and I remember getting off the train at Footscray after being here for a few months and seeing the snuff puppets appear, the snuff puppets for the first time, and I was like, ah, I finally figured out and found the thing that i it is my calling. <laughs> um, and then hounded them for a year, um, being like, please let me come and play. Please let me get inside the puppets. Let me see how you do this. Let me see how it works. Because I really need to do it. Because something in my soul changed when I saw it. Um, and I've been working with them for the last three or so years. Um, and yeah, it's really cool. It's really amazing. A lot of the times when I first started, I'd go out in the Scullies, um, which are these just big skeleton people um and it's so amazing being like in the city or like on a tram um in a complete puppet costume just reading the newspaper with someone or someone tries to take a picture of you and you take their phone off them and you give it a little look at yourself um and yeah yeah that's a bit of my experience i love it it's like a big um big funny family
3: i love that um, um yeah <laughs> So Snuff Puppets has a new show called Swamp that's on this Mm -hmm. Thursday to Saturday at the historic Footscray Drill Hall, um, Mm -hmm. which is going to be transformed into a snuff hub. Can you tell us what the show is about?
10: Yeah, totally. Um, So it's about kind of like the way I've been describing it to my friends, everyone. um, It's kind of about the death of Australian ecology. Um, Like with all Snuff Puppets things, it's like um, big and beautiful, but also like kind of very focused on death or violence or just those sorts of themes. Um, I play a giant koala in it, um, and I'm six foot two, so you can imagine how big it is. Um, It's absolutely massive. Um, And we've got um, a magpie, um, a frill neck lizard, which is huge, um, but still not even the biggest one. There's a scene like a Tasmanian tiger and a um, lyrebird, and then a gigantic cane toad. Um, and then I think probably one of the other biggest topics in the world is a 20-metre-long snake um, that's totally inflatable and powered with a um, mobility scooter that's kind of been disassembled and reassembled to be snuff-powered. <laughs> um,
3: that sounds absolutely incredible. Uh, it's been described as a darkly comic allegory of violent transformation. Um, mm-hmm. Would you say that's accurate?
10: Yeah, absolutely. The, the transformations in the show incredible that's like the thing that always like blows my mind about snuff puppets is um they really push the boundaries of puppeteering um and i love it because it's all um glue guns and sewing machines and um people sitting down and making things with their hands um and all the puppets have incredible transformations across the show and there's a giant um it's kind of like a It's almost like a puppet, but it's not a puppet because it's a set piece um, that has an incredible amount of transformations in it. Um, And there's massive inflatables too. And that's like another thing that Snuff does a lot um, is they create like gigantic inflatable trees or hearts or things like that, um, which are like, because they don't really have a person in them and they need to be weighed down, they can be like stories tall, two or three stories tall.
3: That, yeah, that sounds um sound like something really worth looking at. I've never seen the snuff puppets in an indoor space. Um so I feel like having such gigantic creatures um tackling, you know, something as important as the subject matter that you're tackling with this show um in in, in like an indoor space will be quite quite the performance.
10: Yeah, totally. It's really cool because it's like the the drill hall is um it feels like a home for me. Um I remember going in the first time and it's just like this massive hall just with puppets up to the ceiling. Um, And it's like a very magical and beautiful and incredible space. And I love being able to bring people in. Um, But it's amazing because it's being able to be... Like the West doesn't have heaps of performance spaces. Um, I'm like a devoted and true Westie. I absolutely love the Western suburbs of Melbourne. Um, And there's just not a lot of opportunities for people to do things like this. And it's really cool that the the drill hall is becoming like the snuff hub. Um, Because hopefully it will mean that more people can, there'll be more spaces for artists in the way. And bringing lots of people into the drill hall for this gargantuan puppet show um, is going to be so exciting. Like 200 people a night. It's going to be um, quite the spectacle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I bet it will be. Um, I believe the tickets just sold out, but they're... Hoping to add more seats, is that right?
10: Yeah, totally. I think that on um, maybe tomorrow there might be an opportunity to buy some more tickets. Um, and because, I think yeah. people
3: can go on a wait list at the moment?
10: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can sign up on the wait list. Um, and the tickets um, really range in price. Like it's really important that it's accessible. Um, so if you live in the West or if you live in Footscray, you get a half price ticket. And if you're a concession, tickets only $25. So you also get a half price there. So if you're a concession living in Footscray, you can get a ticket of
3: $250. Incredible. Um, yeah. Great. We will definitely link uh, to where we can um, buy tickets, uh, find out more about Snuff Puppets. For anyone listening, it's snuffpuppets.com. Um, the show is called Swamp. Um, Opal, that's all we have time for this morning. But thank you so much for joining us and talking us through the show and what Snuff Puppets do.
10: Thank you so much for having me on. It's just- beautiful <laughs> we'll have hopefully a-
3: see you at the swamp yes absolutely <laughs> awesome so that was Opal a performer from um, Snuff Puppets' new show Swamp which is on this week in Footscray um, unfortunately the show has just sold out but uh, you can join the waiting list at com as they're hoping to add more seats tomorrow um, so that it brings us to the end of our show today we've had a big show this morning uh, we started off by listening to uh, community voices from the 2022 Seniors Festival, The Singular Life. Um, we then had Charlie from Slutwalk in the studio with us talking about um, the upcoming event, The d- details for which are on their Facebook page, and we will, of course, link to in our show notes later today. We then spoke with Lana from... Um, the house of mother house of other tongue which is an incredible show uh playing as a part of the neighborhood festival in footscray um we will also link to that in our show notes later today um we then spoke with matilda from cafe collective about the catalyst social center and the catalyst festival happening from the 11th to the 13th of november And of course, we will link to that in our show notes as well. Um, And then we just finished off the show by speaking with Opal from The Snuff Puppets um, about their show, Swamp, which is also on this week. Um, So lots of really exciting stuff coming up. uh, Lots of radical, um, anti-capitalist, anarchist shows and spaces that we really encourage our listeners to check out and be a part of. Um, but that will bring us to the end of our show today. So keep a locked to 3CR and we will see you. I mean, you will not see us, but you will hear from us next Tuesday.
1: 3CR Breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's independent radical bookstore and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. While you're there, check out Radical Coffee, a worker-run cooperative cafe in the courtyard. Keep up to date with upcoming events at nibs.org.au.